Forbes India cover story podcast series in association with theindicast.com. My name is Abhishek and uh, this issue is the annual investment special issue which examines some of the fine performers in the seesawing financial industry. It's had an interesting time since the new years the global markets have fallen by 7.1%. Uh, that's perhaps the worst start to the year since uh, back in the 1970s. Uh, Sensex is down by 10% as compared to last year or at least that was the case up until week back. During these times this cover story is out and joining me on the call are uh, Praveen Palande and uh, Samar Srivastava who've uh, put this to issue together. Hi, hi both of you. Yeah, hi, hi Abhi. Hello. Hi Samar, hi Praveen. Uh, Praveen, uh, le- let's start with uh, you. We do this every year. Usually the first issue of every year is about the financial industry as such. So what is this issue about? Like every issue. Uh, this is again about investments, investing for the year. And like every issue, we'll again tom-tom about equities. But uh, I guess like you know, this time we have something different to say. What has happened is rightly said that markets are really down by around 10%. And uh, people really don't know what is happening with China, what is happening with US. Because US is the biggest customer and China is obviously the biggest producer. So when China refuses to buy, we are heading towards a, we are in a deflationary kind of a state, the global economy. A lot of people are banking on India, saying that, you know, this is one country that has got a huge domestic demand. So while there is doom and gloom in the global markets, there are some positive signs about India itself. What is interesting is that debt as such is an investment that is normally ignored by retail investors saying that you know it is meant for institutional investors over the last uh, one year or five years or even to 10 years that has actually given as much returns as the sensex probably with uh, lower volatility and this will continue to do so us it has happened that you know in general over the extreme long run equities have performed and given the return but in any other market that has not been the case especially like you know when we look at emerging market it probably makes sense to have a good portfolio allocation in debt so this whole idea that you know keep on investing in the long term in equities may not be true because because emerging markets as the name suggests are risky in one of your articles you say that over 21 years bonds have actually outperformed equities I'm assuming that is true for if you're talking about India there, right? Yeah, it's about India. Hmm. So what happens is that mathematically, the long-term returns of all assets should correlate. Whether it is equity, whether it is uh, bonds, or whether it is real estate, or for that matter, gold. Like every dog has its day. So we would say that, you know, every asset class has its day. Let's look at real estate, actually. So real estate has been, in a way, cash cow. Can just make money uh, even in the future I guess like you know summer is in a better position to talk about that yeah summer I think you've covered real estate in some detail in the previous issues too now let's split it into two one is your uh, segment of houses that are affordable and then the upper middle class and above that this year we noticed that when you look at houses in the affordable segment and we define this as houses between 15 to 75 lakhs the risk reward for buying a house versus renting one is clearly in favor of buying a house. The simple reason for that is that when you take your cost of funds, which is at about 9.5% now, and you add, uh, sorry, you subtract the tax breaks, you subtract interest you have to pay, etc., etc., you come up with a figure that's about 4, 4 4.5%, depending on 
what part of the country you're buying, uh, whether you're buying at 15 lakhs or whether you're buying at 60 lakhs or 50 lakhs. You know, based on a whole host of factors, the effective interest rate that you pay is about 4.5%. Now, given that yields in this market are at about 2 to 2.5%, you know, you just have to pay 2% more and you can get your house. So for a 30 lakh house, this would mean if you're paying a rent of 5,000, you can pay an EMI of 7,000 and the house is yours. But if you go and buy a house that's above one crore and the higher the price rises, the worse it gets, the difference between your rental yield and what you're paying and your effective interest rate rises to as much as between 5 to 7%. Let's, let's just say for argument's sake, you could rent a house for 50,000 rupees, but you pay an EMI of 2 lakhs a month to buy that house. So it just doesn't make sense. So there's this interesting divergence between these two markets. This means that the market between 15 lakhs to 75 lakhs is rock solid. Sales are still taking place. Buyers are still there. But anything above 1 crore has got too much supply and the risk reward uh, just doesn't favor a buyer. So I just wanted to ask him, what is the sweet spot out here? Sweet spot is depending on a whole host of factors, depends on your income, depends on your budget, depends on where the house is, etc., etc. But I think we've, we've got a table in the article that talks about 30 lakh house and you take a 24 lakh loan for the 30 lakh house. There, I think uh, the divergence was about 2% in the sense that the rental yield was 2%, your cost of funds was about 4%. That's a decent enough risk-reward ratio as opposed to a 7% cost of carry that you have to bear if you buy a house about five, six, seven crores. Right. Uh, moving on from real estate uh, to a sector which is not often talked about is startups and investments in startups in India. We've got some news coming in from Mr. Modi in the last few days as well, the, the startup environment set up in India for entrepreneurs. So what is that segment about, Summer? We had one article on investing in startups and the reason why we thought this was important was because a lot of readers read about angel investments that's essentially a person investing in a startup at a very, a very, very early stage. This is often when just the idea is on a piece of paper. And they often think, hey, can I do this? What are, what are some of the risk factors that I need to consider? And essentially, how do I you know, go about doing this? So I spoke with Kashyap Devra, who's, who set up four companies himself and is also invested in another, another 20, 25 companies. His fundamental point was that, look, you need to focus on the entrepreneur and you also need to see that the business has a very clear, well-defined path to profitability. And as long as the entrepreneur is serious about growing the business in a methodical manner, the investment usually turns out well. Uh, but this space has a very, very high burnout rate. So out of, say, the 20 or 25 investments he's made, he said that five have completely blown up and uh, he's happy with the rest. So he's happy with the way they're progressing. They may or may not sort of make money for him. And uh, this is a game where you know, one or two sort of make a lot of money for you. Uh, some blow up and the rest sort of just, just close down. Uh, last couple of questions. One is mutual funds, which uh, is the common man's investment vehicle, perhaps who is not inclined to invest directly in the market. So how are they doing? What is what is your assessment there? And what are the, some of the stories that you have very quickly? Oh, we did a story on SBI mutual fund. They have given good returns, especially the mid-cap fund and the large-cap fund. What I like about SBI is that, you know, they have completely changed their philosophy by adopting something called the ESG matrix, investing in companies that kind of are environment-friendly and have a high level of governance factor to it. This is a fund that doesn't want to invest in companies where they you know, don't trust the promoter, they feel that the company is polluting the environment, you know, the company is not really fair to minority shareholders. That whole idea 
that uh, the fund has managed to put it in practice has actually ended up giving them good returns. So, you know, they will not invest in companies, say mining companies, which kind of has led to, say, misallocation of resources or, or the tribals have been moved out because of them, displaced or all. So they don't get into this kind of area, So which is very interesting. So due respect to them, and it has also given them good year, good results. So we believe that uh, over a period of time, a lot of investment is going to come to funds who follow this ESG matrix. Right. All of this is happening in this context of the average gap between two financial crises is that of eight years, is what you uh, mentioned somewhere in those articles. So it happened in 92, then 2000, 2008, and now we are in 2016. So how does that board for, for <laughs> okay, India? Let's, let's you know something about China. In China, eight is a lucky number. So people would actually go and buy stocks which used to be like, you know, trading at eight or in multiples of eight. So they consider eight as a lucky number. Well, the Chinese should also be aware that eight is an extremely unlucky number for the global economy. Sadly, you know, the past shows that entire circle of eight kind of works. So will 2016 be as bad as 2008 and was 2008 as bad as 2000? I... I think we should not really think about it that way. It's about asset allocation and just not riding the equity thing. So I think you've got a chance to do that. So maybe like, you know, you can park some money in equities, park some in bonds, rather fixed income, and park some little amount even in gold for that matter. I think you are set. Solution to all this, in my view, is a balanced fund. Some of the balance funds have given some have given very good returns because you can get performance of an equity fund and a risk profile of a debt fund. Maybe this is a year we should look at a balance fund. And secondly, I think you should not fall for this entire thing of like, you know, long terms, everything is going to be fine. Long term, like, you know, equities are going to give you returns. Because long term, we are also going to be dead. If you are doing asset allocation, you should be able to catch the cycle or ride the cycle. Uh, properly. Praveen, and on that Keynesian note, let's uh, wrap this one up. Thank you very much both, uh, Praveen and Summer, for your time. Thanks, thanks. Thanks a lot, Abhijit. Thank you. And, and all you listeners, you can get this podcast on ForbesIndia.com and on iTunes. And to have someone call you for a subscription, just message Forbes to 51818.